Good morning. Thanks for joining us online. Let's talk about life today. Your life, my life, our life in Christ. It's November. We call that gratitude month in my house and in our lives around us. It's Thanksgiving season. I love this season. The only requirement for this holiday is to eat, and I love that, and I'm good at it. But I really want to talk about life and life in its fullness in Christ. Let's go through Mark chapter 5 today. Let's go to verse 21 and read till the end of the chapter and see what life we can get from this beautiful story. Mark 5, 21 says this. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Let me kind of tell you what's happened. Jesus has just released a man of many demons. His name was Legion, and he had a legion of demons. And you remember the story? He casted them into the pigs, and the pigs fell off the cliff and into the water. That's what we're talking about here. And now Jesus is done with that miracle, and now he's going to the other side, and there's a large crowd. And here's what it says happened. Then a leader of this local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he says. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. Let's talk about life today. Let's talk about living. Let's talk about how to live for Christ. Here's what Paul writes to the Philippian church. He says this, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. He says, for to me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. And he's going through, should I live or should I die? He's had such persecution, but he realizes if I live, it's for Christ. Verse 22, but if I live, he says, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. And that's why he wanted to be here. And that's why we should be here, especially if you call yourself Christians. Jarius, he meets Jesus and he wants his daughter to live. And live life to the fullest. She's only 12 years old. And she's dying. And the only one that can save her is Jesus. Well, we're grateful that you've joined us online. We're going to start this new sermon series. It's called Thanks Living. And it's learning to live life and be thankful for it. Learning to live life and understand what thankful living really means. That's why we've pushed them together. Thanks Living, not just Thanksgiving. What we're going to do is we're going to go to the book of Mark and we're going to experience and explore four topics of healing. Healing's awesome, but every time there's healing in the Bible, there's all kinds of discipleship. Every time there's healing in our life and our lives around us, there's discipleship and we're going to see that today. And so today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving and we're going to explore Thanksgiving for the next four weeks. Here's the topics. We're going to hear and see and walk and live all for the glory of God. Jesus is going to come and do a healing work for sight, for hearing, for walking, and today for living. We're going to all do, we're going to walk with God and we're going to see God and we're going to hear God and we're going to explore God and we're going to learn to understand what it means to have this thanks living mindset, living for Christ. Now, I know this is a political season, and maybe you're not exactly happy with what's gone on, but here's what JFK says, and I love this verse. It says, as we express our gratitude, it's gratitude month, we will, exp- uh, sorry, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. We can't just utter words or post words or say words. We have to live by them. 
My life got better when I started using God's words and uttering God's words and then living by God's words. It's believing, it's following, and then giving those words away to other people. That's discipling. Life is about living by those words, having integrity and making those words come alive. So the question is, why are you living today? How are you living in this world today? Are you okay? And the last one, and these are rhetorical, but these are questions you should be asking yourself constantly. What are you living for? I love asking this question, especially with people that maybe have anxiety or depression or their just life isn't going in that perfect direction or the direction that they see it. I constantly ask, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? Why are you on earth? And many have read that purpose-driven life by Saddleback's pastor, Rick. But do you really understand the purpose and are you living for that? It's sold 25 million copies. So many have read it, but are we really living out that purpose life? And I would just say, let's not read that book. Let's read this book, the Bible. And I promise you, you will experience the purpose of life. My first point of today's message is this. To live is to live for Christ. To live is to live for Christ. I found that to be my purpose. And it's really the purpose of journey. If you look at Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, that's the mission of this church. And in there, there's this moment where somebody says, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He says, there's two commandments. Number one is to love your God with everything that you have, with your whole life. And then he says, love others as you love yourself. There's really two commands. We are naturally loving ourselves even when we're not treating ourselves well. We're clothing, we're bathing, we're eating, we're doing stuff. Maybe we're abusing our, but we're still thinking about ourselves. But the two great commands, love God with everything that you have and love other people. Those are really the way that we find purpose and life in Christ. And so the first point is to live is to live life for Christ. If that's not your purpose, you're probably lost and wandering and maybe in a, in a Christian faith that you're kind of struggling with. If Christ isn't your purpose, like we see the Apostle Paul write and we see many Christians live for, there's probably struggle in your life. Well, we're going to open up Mark over the next four weeks. Mark is an action-packed drama. If you put Netflix in and you look, it would go in the action section and you'd combine it with drama because it's full of life. Christ in action. He's the action superhero. But the problem is he's real. He's real. He's a real human being that was on earth and did all these events. These are more events than stories because they really happened. And Christ is the action figure in this real story. In Mark, we see Jesus living. And as he's living, he's doing things for the kingdom of God. He's healing. He's discipling. He's praying. And you know what? He's always teaching. He's always teaching us. And we're going to see today that he's always teaching us no matter what he's doing. So let's get back to the story. Remember what's going on. There's a man named Jarius and his daughter's dying. And Jarius wants his daughter to live. So he, only, he comes to the only person that he feels like can bring life to a dying daughter of 12 years old. This man is a respected synagogue leader. That's like being a lead pastor or a pastor at a church. And this respected man comes before Jesus, who most of the people in the synagogue probably don't respect. He falls before Christ. He pleads with Christ humbly, help my daughter live. Heal her so that she can live. What do we see with Jairus before we move on? He seeks the presence of God through Jesus. He humbly falls before God 
through the through Jesus. He pleads with God through Jesus. And finally, he wants life and life to the fullest for his daughter. And all of that can be done through Jesus Christ. So let's watch Christ as he lives in this story, as this real event occurs, and how he brings life to others as we continue this story. Verse 24 says, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She suffered a great deal from many doctors over the years, and she had spent everything that she had paying them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Verse 27 said, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought, and this is an important section, you should have this underlined. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch um, his robe, I will be healed. And immediately after she touched his robe, the bleeding stopped, the Bible said. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible condition. Now I want to give you a theme today. Is your life worth fighting for? Is your life worth fighting for? If that's not true, would you reach out to us? A prayer request? Send us a note. If you're online right now, put in the quote and one of our hosts will get out to you and say, hey, I just want to talk to someone because we want to talk to you. We've got so many qualified people, eight, nine, ten people on staff that would love to minister to you and talk to you because your life is valuable. You are valuable. You've got to realize your life is worth fighting for. That's a theme that shouldn't leave you today. Now think about what's going on. Imagine someone in a large crowd bumps up against Jesus. And when he hears about this miraculous healing from this woman who touched his robe, he'd say, hey, I bumped into Jesus, but I wasn't healed. I wasn't blessed. I didn't receive anything from God. But there's a difference from bumping into Jesus and reaching out for Jesus. We can regularly bump into Jesus at church. We can see him and walk, watch him walk around. God is present at most churches, hopefully all, but at most. We can bump into him, but it's not the same as reaching out and wanting to touch just the him. Having the faith to believe if I just get to church, if I just tell someone I'm struggling, if I just put a prayer request in, if I just tell the pastor the truth about my life, if I reach out and don't just bump into God, but I touch God somehow, some way through one of his vessels, through one of his people, that I can be healed. This woman had to fight. She had to contend for her life. 12 years of bleeding. Her life must have been ending slowly but surely. 12 years of loss of blood. This woman was struggling and God was present. And the difference between that person that bumped into Jesus and her is she had to fight through the crowd, crawling to touch just the hem of his robe so that she can be healed. Is your life worth fighting for? I'm telling you it is. And let us minister to you if you don't feel that way. Put in a prayer request, reach out to us, call a number, email us, and let us be a part of your life. The text says that she had tried everything. She spent all her money, gave all that she had. Verse 26, it says she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. In Luke's version of it, it's basically Luke is a doctor saying the doctors couldn't help. 
In this Mark translation, we see that she spends every penny to pay the doctors, and she's been now bankrupt because of her doctor fees. She needed Obamacare or something like that because it, was, it made her bankrupt. She gave everything that she had, and it only made her worse. It didn't make her better. She suffered a great deal. Her life was coming to an end until she met and encountered and really touched Jesus or was touched by Jesus through the hem of his robe. You know, I don't know where you're at today in your life. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe it's been just a crazy week as we all know our country's in that crazy time. But here's what the Bible says. And we hear it all the time. But do you believe this? It says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to those people. And when he meets you, when you encounter him, when you try and touch the hem of his robe by opening up the Bible, he wants to revive you and he wants to give you life. He wants to speak life and bring life and heal you from whatever travesty, whatever suffering, whatever issue is in your life. And maybe it might not be healed the way that you want it, but realize this, God wants to engage you and he wants to impact you through his son. And somehow, some way, Jesus will intersect you and whatever your struggle is, and he will give you the strength to go through it and maybe even heal you if that's God's plan, if that's God's will. But one day know this. We will meet him and we will all be healed and that suffering will be no longer. Verse 30 says this, Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone from him. So he turned around in the crowd, uh, crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Listen to this. I love this. There's kind of humor in the Bible. I look, this is kind of funny. He says in verse 31, his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? It's like one of his friends is like, are you kidding me, Jesus? Look at how, there's hundreds of people. How can you ask who touched you? The power had released from Jesus and he felt it. He knew someone really was impacted by touching his robe. A bunch of people bumping into him, but one encountered Jesus, touched by God through Jesus Christ. Immediately, the Bible says, the fountain of her blood of 12 years dried up. And I know that sounds gory, but that's what happened. She now has a life worth living for. During this time, during this, this era, and even in Judaism today, when a woman who is unclean touches Jesus, it would make him unclean. When an unclean person touches a clean person, that unclean that clean person becomes unclean in the Jewish law. But in this particular place, she was made whole as she touched Jesus, who was not unclean. Now, this is an interesting place. When, when an unclean person touches a clean person, they become unclean. But that's not what happens here. The nature of Jesus and the power of God, that's not how it works with Jesus Christ. When she touches his garment, Jesus feels that healing power leave him. Jesus isn't made unclean. The woman is made clean and whole. And she has new purpose and new life because she's encountered Jesus. Her life is what we call regenerated. She has a new reason and a new purpose and everything for the last 12 years is no longer her life. When we come to Jesus with our sin, when we come to Jesus with our suffering and we lay our sin upon him, it doesn't make him a sinner. It makes us clean. That's the beautiful part. That's one of the images that we see in this text today. We, we bring our sin to Jesus. That doesn't make him more sinful. 
It makes us clean and right with God. Verse 32, but he kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened, came uh, to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And then he said to her, and listen to this word, daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your 12 years of suffering, it's over. Life is worth living. She's encountered Christ, and now all that she knew from life 10 minutes ago is now over, and now she has new life. Psalm 23, I was praying this week, and I was just kind of reading this story, and this kept coming. Psalm 23, 4, you know, in the middle of that psalm that everybody knows, it says, even though I walk through the valley of darkness or the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When I read that, this is this picture for this woman. She's living in the shadow of life, in the shadow of death. She will fear no evil because she's got this darkness, this valley of darkness or the shadow of death upon her, 12 years of suffering. But in the middle of it, she realizes nothing's working. And the only thing I can think of is this man called Jesus. And he's walking by me and I'm not going to just bump into him. I'm going to reach out and touch him. This story, this verse, they work perfectly together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This woman has no fear. That brings me to my second point. I will fight to live. I've got to fight to live, not give up in life. It's easy to kind of roll the rock in front of the cave and just put the covers over your head and say, I give up. I'm not, I'm not happy. I don't like what's happening politically or socially or economically. Everything's wrong and I'm not, I'm not doing well. But you got to fight. You got to say, I will fight to live and not give up in life. Listen to this Winston Churchill vote. I am so bummed I just came upon this. This is something new for me, and it means so much to me. Winston Churchill, a great leader in the World War II era. Here's what it says. Never give up on something that you can't go a day about thinking about. Sorry, I said that wrong. Never give up on something that you can't go a day without thinking about. Don't give up on something you constantly think about. There's a reason why you're thinking about it, and Jesus wants to intercede in your life on that certain issue. You, you can't give up. And realize this. This is the third point. Realize that God is fighting for us. God is in the crowd. God is at church. God is online with us right now. He's fighting for us, and our job is to receive and live for him, receive all that he has, and live for him. Realize God is fighting for us, and we need to live for him, never giving up in our life. You can't just bump into him and expect that you're going to get all. You've got to reach out and fight just like this woman did so that she can so that you can receive a healing like she did. However that plays out. That's what God wants for us. And that's the beauty of the story of Mark and the healing. Verse 35. Remember what's going on. Jesus is supposed to be heading to this 12-year-old daughter who's dying. He's on this pathway with this man and a group of people because his daughter's dying. But now she, he's met this woman that's been suffering for 12 years. So in this one story, there's two miracles happening, and they're happening for a reason. And there's a great message at the end of this. Verse 35, while he was still speaking to the woman that was bleeding for 12 years, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jarius, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. 
You have this respected synagogue leader. He's probably the pastor of the local Jewish church. That's how we would see it today. He's now gotten messengers from home saying, hey, your daughter's dead. Don't worry about this guy, this rabbi of sorts, this Messiah of sorts. Don't worry about him because your daughter's dead. I'm going to ask you a question. How do you deal with bad news as a believer or a follower or as a disciple in Christ? Has this, been, has this week brought you news that you haven't been excited about? How do you deal with bad news? This man just receives horrible news. His daughter is dead. You receive it and instantly go into fear and worrying about whatever's going on. If, you're, if your team didn't win the World Series or, or if your political guy didn't win, are you in fear or are you in faith? Believers have faith and we live for God regardless of who wins because our victory is in him, not in the circumstances or the things on this earth. How do you receive bad news? Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Jarius, I'm, I'm going, what is this guy doing? Wasting his time with this woman. My daughter's dying. Why is he messing around with her? Let's get to my daughter. She's dying. But now he comes to a place to realize that she's dead. And he's got to be frustrated with Jesus. But there's a message here. Jesus sees value in everybody. This guy's a powerful, respected man in the community. This woman is outcast. She's unclean. She probably barely is living. She's probably a beggar. But Jesus, he's showing the crowd and this respected man that this woman has value. God values women. God values the less than just as much as he valued Jairus. He doesn't allow his status and power to detour him. Jesus doesn't allow power and status and finance to detour from ministering, even when he's supposed to be dealing with this daughter that's dying. As Jesus lives life, He's healing, he's discipling as he's praying, and he's also teaching us. Here we see healing and discipling and teaching all in this practice as he's moving on. Verse 36 says this, Jesus overheard them and, uh, overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Maybe your translation says, don't be afraid, just believe. Wherever you're at right now, Whatever's going on in your life, don't be afraid. Just believe. Find comfort in that. Be still and know that I am God. Don't be afraid and just believe. Whatever's happening is happening for a reason. And our job is just to be believing and not afraid. This is a time of teaching. Jesus is teaching Jairus something, and he's teaching and discipling everyone around him, including his disciples. He's teaching them about how to live a life in faith with Jesus Christ, worrying about everybody, not rushing because this person is saying this is more important. If something happens in between these divine appointments, we are to stop and minister and let God be God and let God control. Verse 37 is, is where Jesus starts to teach. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anybody go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of Jesus, it says. Verse 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. 
he went in inside and asked, why is all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. I love that. Jesus just has so much gumption. He's, he's not afraid to just say it as it is. I was talking to someone recently a couple weeks ago in this, in this kind of retreat place, and he was just saying, I'm just going to say it and give God the opportunity to use these words that I'm going to say. And I love that. Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Have faith. And now he says, this child isn't dead. She's just, asleep. She's just asleep. Then in verse 40, it says, then the crowd laughed at him. How many times does the crowd laugh at you when you talk about Jesus? It doesn't detour Jesus. It detours us because we're human. But those that live in a, spirit, a, a, a spiritual being, that live a spiritual life, we're not detoured because we shouldn't be detoured, and neither is Jesus. But, uh, it continues, verse 40, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was laying. Here's an interesting part. Listen to what it says in the next couple of verses. Holding her hand, he says to her, Talithia Kalum which means little girl. And actually, in the Aramaic, I'm not a, a language professor, but in the Aramaic, it's like little lamb. He's saying, little lamb, little girl. He says, get up. <clears throat> and then it says, and then the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and she walked around. They were overwhelmed and they were totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anybody what had happened. And he told them, to give her something to eat. I love this. First of all, I love the concept of give her something to eat. Do you realize when Jesus resurrected and he met Thomas, he said, hey, you got any food? And they gave him some fish. I guess death and resurrection creates a hunger. The resurrection power of Jesus creates a hunger in me, but death and resurrection creates a hunger. And Jesus kind of does this really tender thing. He's like, he calls her a little lamb, and then she goes, she's probably hungry. Give her something to eat. It's really a, 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 a very powerful but very enduring place as everybody's blown away. Now, Jesus spoke to the dead girl as though she was alive because he is God. Romans, the Apostle Paul writes, Romans 4.17 says this, God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God calls things that are dead to life and says those things that don't exist really do exist in the way that Jesus lives his life and the way that Jesus is in this world. He's not afraid of things that seem wrong or off or dead because he knows in him there is life. And he calls those things which people don't know that do not exist as though they do exist because they do in him. The text says in, in, in the Bible that all things are possible with God. Jesus spoke to the little girl with the resurrection power of God. That same resurrection power that's here today that we celebrate on Easter is the same resurrection power that raised Jarius' daughter and Jesus from the grave. And he's speaking that same power to us. Is your life worth fighting for? Yes. Is your life in Christ worth fighting for? Yes. Little lamb, little lamb of God, get up and live and live for Christ. Your life is worth fighting for. Realize that all you've got to do is cling to Christ, accept Christ, use Christ, and your life will be worth living for. Little lamb, get up and live. 
Now, I was talking to Jeremy and Dustin and Barnett about the message this week, and Jeremy brought up some pretty cool points about the details. The story really has details. The woman who was called daughter bled for 12 years. Daughter bled for 12 years. A 12-year-old daughter goes and dies, and this story is connected in one healing, but two healings, or one part of a story, but has two healings. There's suffering and death, just as Christ suffered and died for you and I. It's a, it's a foreshadow of what's going to happen to Christ, suffer and death, but also resurrection because it's about life and life to the fullest. This woman is healed from 12 years of suffering, and this child of 12 years old is raised to new life and life to the fullest. Do you know someone who's suffering right now? And I'm not talking about just because of the political election or even through the COVID six or eight months. I'm talking about five or 10 years or 15 years of suffering. Maybe have some sort of disease or ailment or, or a, a disability. Or maybe they're depressed or anxious. Do you know someone that needs a life-giving message? What I would do is this. Take this scripture, text it to them, call them, DM them if you're technologically savvy, and give them this text, Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. And those healing scriptures should bring life to that person reading them. Better yet, if you don't know what to do, just forward them the message and let them hear about thanks living and living a life for Christ. That's what we're trying to do here. There's resurrection power in Jesus Christ. We need to realize God is fighting for us and our job is to live for him. Now I want to conclude with this. In Mark chapter 5, there's three miracles. Mark has the most miracles in all the gospel, even though it's only 16 chapters. In this one chapter, there's three amazing miracles. And we talked about two of them, which happened on the road uh, to healing or to raising a daughter from the dead. But here's what happens at the end of the first miracle that we didn't talk about. There's this man named Legion that has a legion of demons within him. And he, his demons are cast into the pigs and they fall into the water. Maybe you've heard that story. But here's what happens at the end. And look for all the life applications in this. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon, this is Mark chapter 5 verse 18. The man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. Christ, I want to go with you. You saved me. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, no, go home to your family. Go and live, he says. Go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Go back to your family and tell them how you have new life and you're no longer bound in this old life and, 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 and sick with demons within you. Go and live and tell them. And then it says in verse 20, so the man started off to visit the 10 towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done. Everyone was amazed at what he had told them. This man goes into the world and starts living for the glory of God. He wants to be with Christ. He wants to be a part of Christ's discipleship team. But the truth is Christ says stay and live and live for the glory of God and never Stop telling people about what God has done. His purpose is real. 
His life is worth fighting for. When we start telling people about Christ and how we're living, that's how we live for Christ. That's how we find purpose in Christ. Telling everybody, no matter how big or small the miracles are in your life, people in this world, in this country, in this county and city want to hear about what God has done to you personally. There's no better testimony. That's living for Christ because Christ gave his life for him. That's how we're to live. So go and live, little lamb. Rise up. Get up. Stop living a dead life for Christ. Live in the glory and the beauty and a life in the fullest, the abundant life, it says in John, for Christ. Be thankful about this life. Be thankful about the circumstances. They're not the end of the world. And if it is, and you're a believer, be thanksgiving and thanks living for that because we're going into heaven. If it's the end, we should be excited, not afraid. Go out and live. Here's the three points that I said today, and I just kind of want to close with this. It says, to live is to live for Christ. To live is to live for Christ. That's the purpose of a Christian life. Live and live for Christ. The, The second one was, I will fight to live and not give up in this life. Push through, reach out. Don't just bump into God, but really cling to him and reach and say, I just want to touch the hem of him this weekend. On this feed right now, online, or maybe you go physically to church and touch him and say, man, I'm going to touch him by putting a prayer request in. I'm going to touch him by reaching out one of the pastors or just telling someone I'm struggling and I want new life in Christ or I want to be healed or I want a different uh, thing in my life. God wants to meet you there. Push through, reach out, and finally realize this, that God is fighting for you, and our job is to live for him and push beyond whatever's going on so that we can encounter him and live for Christ. And maybe that means getting off the couch, maybe taking a shower and putting some clothes on and going out into this world and telling people like Legion did what Christ has done. Or telling people like the woman bleeding did and she no longer suffered anymore. Jairus' daughter. All these people have been encountered with God. And I know these are radical miracles and maybe that's not all happened to you. But you still have a story and God wants to tell his story through your story. Let's live for Christ. Remember Winston Churchill's quote. It says this. Never give up on something that you can't go a day without thinking about. Man, I think about my life all the time. I can't give up on life. I've got to live for Christ and watch Christ flourish in my life and the lives around me. Will you just bow your head and let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. Father, we love you. Thank you for giving us this life. Lord, circumstances in our life may be seem dire and dark, but in you, you are light and you are light in darkness. We cling to you. We reach out to you right now, Father, and ask for you to move in a very real and powerful way. Let your mighty hand of God come upon us and and help us live for the kingdom of God and live for you and live to the fullest. Let us live in this thanksgiving mindset, living for life and being thankful for the life that we have. If there's someone that's listening to this message that's depressed or dark or full of anxiety or frustration and you're distant from God, you don't know him, you've never heard of him, maybe you just logged on a few minutes ago. If that's you right now and you feel something deep within, crying deep within your soul, that's God speaking to your soul and to your heart. 
And all you have to do to change and have life and life to the fullest is respond by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart and say a simple prayer that I'm going to say. And if that's you, just repeat after me. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for all that I've done. Come into my heart right now and meet me and intercede right now. My darkness, my chaos, my depression, Father, my anxiety. Minister to my heart right now. The Bible says you, you died upon the cross for me and that you rose again so that I may have eternal life. Help me understand that, grow in that, and live by that standard. Come into my heart, Lord, and be my Lord from now to eternity. Right now, anoint me with your Holy Spirit so that I can be filled of your Spirit and learn to be a disciple and a follower of you now until I meet you in heaven. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so grateful that you've joined us today. I'm grateful that you continue to kind of join us on this online version. We're meeting on Sundays at 10 o'clock. Join us every so often if you can. It's really fun. But beyond that, make sure that you fill out a prayer request. If you're not feeling right and if you're struggling, fill out a prayer request on the app or online. Let us pray for you. And if you need more than that, put on there, We want to. you need an encounter or some sort of call and we'll call you back. Put it on the chat room, too, if you're on Facebook, because we want to be a part of your life right now. God bless you. God's with you. And know this, God loves you so much, more than you could ever imagine. Thanks for watching. Have a great day.